0: Hi, loves. In this episode of In My Truth, I'm talking with my friend Maritza Baroni, who's the co-founder of Conscious Conversations. Conscious Conversations is an incredible community that hosts online events now, (laughs) they used to do in-person events, um, and create a whole bunch of great content. They've got a podcast and everything around real, raw, and honest conversations. So it was a pleasure to have her on the show today. Obviously, she's very aligned in terms of having these deep, truthful, authentic conversations. And we really did talk about a lot from what it's been like living in isolation. She's in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, where they have been in much stricter quarantine and isolation than much of us in the rest of the world, Um, all the way through to long-term relationships and what she's moved through over the years with her partner. So it was a really beautiful conversation. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. And yeah, let me know what you think. Welcome, sister. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing
1: okay. I'm not going to go in and say I'm great right now because I'm, <laughs> I'm, de- I'm dealing with... Coming in hot from confusion. lockdown
0: in Melbourne, I can imagine you, it's not great.
1: <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm, I mean, I try, I'm a very generally positive person. So I'd love to say, yeah, I'm great. But I think I've had my struggles in the last couple of days that, have, um, that I'm coming out of now. But I'm, yeah, it's, it's been a testing time. Definitely, I feel like we've been locked up for about six months, and life is on pause right now. Um, and I've always been one of those people who is such a go-getter and so ambitious and motivated to really embark on their dreams. And I feel like I'm so I'm being held back now, and that's what's really starting to frustrate me. You know, even it feels like we may be at the end of lockdown or this stage four period of lockdown, but the intensity of this feeling of almost claustrophobia seems to be getting worse Mm -hmm. because we don't know what's around the corner. So yeah, yeah, it's been an interesting Painting
0: the picture for our listeners, you are in Melbourne, which had lockdown, kind of had it ease up and then straight back in again. And it's now, are you six weeks into this second really strict lockdown? Is that right?
1: Yes. So really strict stage four is, yeah, this is the coming up to the sixth week, but it's been six months that we've been yeah. during this. We had like three weeks in between yeah. where we were able to see a few people and we we managed to really um, make use of that. I think we went to dinner about <laughs> 10 times, <laughs> yeah. thankfully. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been testing. It's been eye-opening as well.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm definitely feeling for you and for my other friends. Obviously I'm from Melbourne so I have a lot of, you know, friends down there and I'm really feeling for everyone. I we're not in lockdown in the US thankfully and we had our kind of initial period and even when we opened up I think it was around July 4th, they kind of, we were open and then there was a few restrictions come back in. And the feeling I had in that moment was like, no, like we just got to come out again. Don't take it away. And thankfully for us, they didn't. Like there was just, some things, some restaurants were kind of shutting down again and things like that, but it really wasn't that bad. But I had that feeling at that time that, oh, my goodness, are we about to go back in? So I can only relate in this like one or two days where I worried that we were going to go back in, but you guys actually have. so.
1: What Uh, it does, I think, it brings up these feelings of um, isolation and it doesn't mean the isolation in the terms of the pandemic. It really starts to um, strike these feelings within you of like, I'm a very social person and I'm starting to feel anti-social like even picking up the phone and having a long conversation I I almost can't be bothered doing or you know it's Mm. it's that that feeling of uh, I'm just with us now and you start to sort of just push everything else away because it all seems too hard or the conversation is always about this and the premiere, and what's happening next and people's Mm. conspiracy theories and it's it's this saturation of the same type of conversation too. So I think a lot of isolation is coming from the way we're thinking now too. Um, I've been really proactive and I've got a, a whole company around it called Conscious Conversations is where we're really getting people together to open up and to use this time to explore and grow and use it as a development time um, and you know, use the time wisely, not just sit there and and weep and worry about what's going to come next in our lives. So I think that's been a bit of a lifesaver for me is really putting a lot of my energy into growing the community that we have within our company at Conscious Conversations. And it was a completely events-based company where we have these beautiful events and invite people in, and have these gorgeous conversations on a really deep level. Um, and of course, when COVID hits, you just have to completely change and adapt to what what has you know been thrown at us. So we we did convert the whole business to a virtual offering, um, and it's been wonderful because the people we've met have just been. Global. It's we've had incredible speakers like yourself on board who are from America. We've had people from Bermuda and Ireland who have joined in our conversations. And it's so evident when you speak to everyone that around the world that everyone is enduring some type of shift and some type of change. But I've absolutely. That's. I think this has really saved me being part of that community and building building something that has heart. To it, Um, it's been it's been really special, and it's it's like I said, it saved me during this time.
0: Mm, I really commend you. I've been having conversations with entrepreneurs recently, and it feels to me like this has been a year as an entrepreneur to be very decisive and to take action, and not to sit too long in the indecision and wondering which way to go or what way to go. It's almost better to just. Make a decision and do it, and you know, then make another decision later if you need to change. And obviously, as you've described, you you guys did that. You pivoted really quickly and got everything going online. And back then, you didn't know it was going to go this long. (laughs) It was a while ago that I spoke at one of your events. It was quite a few months ago. Um, But yeah, I'm glad to hear that at least that part of your life is. Um, been a shining light and the work you are doing is really fantastic. Um, I think it's just so beneficial for people. So, well done. Oh,
1: Absolutely. And you know, this, there's such hideous stats out there of people who are isolated. Like this was a pandemic way before the pandemic, isolation uh-huh. and separation between people. And there's like 30 something percent of Australians report not being able, not fitting into a group of people. So I think when we open up, a doorway, Like I always say, I can be in a room with 50 people and feel lonely, but I can be in a room with three people and feel so connected because you really need to find your people. You need to find the people who understand where you're coming from, what your beliefs are, what your values are. What you are at a true level rather than all the surface level crap that so many of us are expected to say and expected to do, it's just so lovely to find people who think on the same wavelength as you. And I think mm-hmm. you know mental health is a huge thing right now. and if we if we at least unite, what our aim is to to is to spark five million conversations over the next five years. So if we bring people together and spark these conversations between them and they have that opportunity to release their true nature and their true self, perhaps they've never had that opportunity to do that before with the people around them in their lives, um, mm-hmm. then that's that's why, we, that's why we go to work. Well, that's why we go to work at home at the moment but that's, <laughs> why, that's, why, that's why we do what we do and it, and it feels amazing to do that and be a part of that, um, especially in these times.
0: Mm, such good work you're doing. So, what's the biggest struggle for you right now? what are you what are you nutting over and working on?
1: It's funny. I have spent the last five years trying to figure out, you know what my why and my purpose is, and and really get clear on what serves me, and then you start to question it again after a while. But um, I think it's because of that restriction that we've got right now is you're starting to question everything all over again. Mm. Um, you're trying to you're starting to reevaluate what's important to you, and I think this has been a perfect time to really sit back and reevaluate what in our lives is serving us the most and what makes us happy. Like a lot of us don't actually sit back and say to say to ourselves, what is it that makes me happy? What what are those things that really excite me in my life? And when it's not work or when it's not our kids or when it, you know, whatever it is, it's you have to sit back and and, and visually look at what is making you happy in life and i think um i've been going through those motions i've been journaling a lot i've been getting really clear on on all of that i think i had a bit of a full moon meltdown in the bath the other day uh, i just completely <laughs> broke down and let let the tears just come out it it was um it was a build up i think um, but it needs mm-hmm. to happen and I don't know. Do, do full moons actually create make the emotions come out more? I've, I don't know if it's a manifestation period or if it's a bit of a release period at, at the same time. But I mm. um, yeah, I totally melted down and I'm coming out of that. It's two days since and I'm feeling a lot lighter and a, a lot clearer. Uh, clarity of my mind is one of the things that I really uh, see as a priority when I'm getting clear on something. When I know that clarity is there, it's like Bob Proctor says, it's one of the, the biggest jewels of life is having clarity of mind. So when that felt foggy, I felt like that was that was one of my biggest challenges. But as I said, I've, I've released and I'm coming out of that and I'm feeling purposeful and meaningful again. And going back to the work that I'm doing, um, I know that it's the right thing for me. And I know that my life isn't about just me. It's about the impact that I leave um, and that I just need to continuously focus on that no matter what what job that I'm involved in, no matter what company I'm working on, no matter who I'm talking to, every every delivery of myself needs to be needs needs to leave people feeling better after I leave them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting. I think what I've noticed for myself during this period. Is like, I'm more aware of those ups and downs of my emotions because there's less to distract me from it. There's less going on, right? And I've been noticing yeah. about once a week, I have a day where I'm just like, I'm on the couch. I'm like, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with my work. Like, I'm in love with what I'm doing. But I have this one day a week that seems to show up where I'm like, I want nothing to do with anything. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just like, all I can do, I've got this um, big oversized sweater thing with a hoodie that I call my underworld cape that I like put on when I'm like, I'm in my underworld. And it's kind of like a little bit of a communication to Joe, my partner, that I'm just like in it today. Um, yeah. And and that's been like a reframe for me a little bit as well, having experienced um, depression and all of that. I now kind of reframe it as this underworld and I'm going in and I'm going to figure out whatever I need to figure out. And I'm just kind of Doing that thing for the day, but yeah, I've definitely, and I'm always really emotional and up and down and all of that, and it's hard to even gain perspective over what's different now and what was before. But it does feel I'll have this one day a week roll around where I'm just like, oh, nothing, and I all I want to do is curl up in my bed or on the couch, and I feel quite hopeless on those days. Like I feel like all the passion and enthusiasm and everything is just like gone out of me, Um, and I don't know if that's you know, I'm definitely not in the level of isolation that you guys are. Thank goodness. I'm very grateful, but I usually travel a lot to different countries and have a lot of movement in my life. And I think that comes up sometimes as well. I think it's been really good for me to assess. Like, I don't want to go back to traveling quite as much as I did, Um, but I do miss it. You know, I miss on certain days. I'm like, I wish I was in Bali. Like, I just want to be in Bali. I want to be in that energy for a while or, you know, I'd like to go to New York City. And I mean, I can go to New York City, I suppose. But yeah, maybe other countries. I want to go to Guatemala or go to Israel. I miss you know, September. I usually go to Tel Aviv and this amazing DLD Entrepreneur Festival. And May, I usually speak in Guatemala or at, a, at the Volcano Summit and all these amazing things that I kind of do around the world that I just don't have this year. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's curious, though, for me to just like have nothing to do on those days but to just sit in it um mm-hmm. and some days I get to something and other days so I'm like I don't even know I just feel crap and I'm just gonna like that's that happened to me yesterday actually I had really early meetings like 5am meetings with my team and I, as soon as I got off the meeting it was just like oh, I don't know no. I don't want to do anything it's today. almost
1: like we're grieving our old lives <laughs> at the moment because mm-hmm. it's such a significant change for all of us and we don't know when it's going to return or if, what it's even going to look like. So, we um, we're actually running an event on grief because of that. Because not only grief related to death and loss, but it's loss of what our lifestyles have been and always look like. And we don't know how to navigate that. A lot of us have never been through such significant um, shift in our lives and such such significant change. Like this is this is going to be a pivotal, life changing and defining moment for so many people. And um, None of us, or a lot of us. I shouldn't say none of us, but a lot of us have no idea how to navigate it. We don't have the tools. We don't even have the resilience. And um, you know, these these are the tools that we need to really put in our tool belt now. Always, I have a friend who's um, who talks about banking our resilience, and he says, "What? Find the tools before you need them. Find the tools before." the breaking point comes and you're on your knees and you have no idea what to do. Find a way to lift yourself up from those dark moments, even before it happens. And it's so clever. It really is because that's, I think most of us deal with this stuff when it happens and we don't want to think about it before it ever does. But every single one of us is going to be faced with some type of significant challenges in our lives. And if we have the tools there and the the mechanics in order to get through it before it even happens. It sounds like a genius idea to me. Mm, There was something that you said earlier. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? There was something that you said earlier and um, with your relationship that made me think, and that's another massive challenge that that I think a lot of us are going through is having such um, tested relationships right now. And I know you put Mm. your cape on and it's almost like a, Piss off, type thing. Leave me alone today. I'm going through what I'm going through. But relationships are incredibly tested right now. Just personally, we're sitting in a house together. There's four of us. I've got an eight year old, an 11, nearly 11 year old, and my husband and I. And we've been in this house together for six months. Like he's been working on the dining table. I'm working on the kitchen bench. The kids are working everywhere, on the couch, on the floor in their rooms, on my bed, wherever they can find space for that day. So our relationships have changed tremendously over mm. this time. And it's, it's almost like we just we wake up in the morning, we say good morning, and then we just separate. And, we, and then we come back together at night. And we're trying to find new ways to actually be together in this close proximity, and still not go crazy and rip each other's heads off. So it's it's really interesting how um, how I've really looked at how we've we've managed this and how we've tried to have our own time in such a small space. We live in a three bedroom townhouse, so it's not huge, um, but have our own space in such a small space. If you know what I mm. mean, um, and I think prioritizing our own our own separated like, time away from each other is, has been key to us being happy and, and just allowing ourselves to, that time to just be apart from one another and not, not be on top of each other. And, um, you know, it makes me think of that Will Smith quote that I've tried to live my relationship by and he said something like, her happiness is not my responsibility. She should be happy mm-hmm. and I should be happy individually. And then we come together to share our happiness. And he says something like, you know, putting that responsibility on someone else to make you happy is selfish when you can't do it for yourself.
0: And it's totally. so true,
1: right? Like,
0: I feel like in so all true. my past relationships prior to the one I'm in now, we had that dynamic, this expectation on the other person to make us happy or to at least be a certain way. Um, and this is the first relationship I've been in where it's not like that it really feels like I am responsible for my own self my own happiness my own everything and my partner is and you know we get to walk by each other's side but that's two people who have done a shitload of work <laughs> like I had mm. to have a breakdown in 2018 and then go through you know hell climbing back out of that and then um, getting on back on my feet again and then taking all of this time to you know heal the abandonment wounding and get. All of the men out of my life, like that was a really big thing for me. Was like, I can't. I need to like actually be on my own and not have all this validation coming externally from men, and go through this whole process to come to a place where I can now have a healthy relationship. But it's not easy, and I think so many of us are in relationships where the expectations there and um, the responsibility for the other person's mood is is there. And I imagine people are really struggling with that right now, or just living in
1: mediocre. Uninspired relationships. That was me for a very, very long time. We, we were like, oh, see, yeah, peck on the lips." That meant absolutely nothing. Out the door, mm-hmm. come home. What are we eating? Like it was just so surface level and mm-hmm. so mundane, mundane, and nine till five, and just no depth behind it for such a long time. And we have really worked hard at cracking through that. And I think we could have easily become another statistic of separation or divorce if we hadn't have worked on that because we just weren't, we weren't unhappy, but we weren't happy. We were just there. And I don't know. with um, all the busyness
0: and distractions of life, you're just on the treadmill and it takes a while before you realise, wait a second, like neither of us are happy on this treadmill. What did you guys do? How How did that eventuate? Like what did you guys do to kind of how did it come up that you weren't? Yeah, I I was leading
1: by example, I think. And that's what ended up um, sort of fixing what the problem was. But I was putting a lot of effort into personal development and growth and reading and learning and changing myself and really getting to know myself on a deep level. And I was, you know, when you try and push someone into doing that and the time's not right, they're just not interested at all. And I remember... He came home one day. My husband came home one day and he'd been was in a shitty mood. He'd had a crap day at work. He was straight back on the iPhone going through emails, just absent, completely absent. We'd finally put the kids to bed and he was just not there. And I'm like, well, what's going on? I said, this can't continue forever. I cannot live like this where you're not, even when you're here, you're not here. So, Mm -hmm. it's actually putting more stress on me, you being here like this, than you not being here at all. I would prefer to be sitting on this couch by myself rather than looking at someone who's not in the room. I can't stand it any longer. You need to do something about it. Otherwise, I don't know where this is, how how we're going to end up. And we've been together since we were 17 years old. So, we've been together for a very, very long time. We've grown up together, but I started to change and he hadn't. And there was this massive, big shift between us so I just I thought this is my last attempt to do something and I handed him um, a business card of my kinesiologist and she's this amazing woman who just somehow gets to the core of you really quickly and I said to him just go and see her once give it a crack we need to do something this is not and he's like, there's nothing wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. Everything's fine. So he was completely oblivious to how I was feeling. But deep down, I think he was feeling exactly the same way. And um, he took the card like he wasn't going to do anything about it. And about a month passed. And I started to see little, little, bits of change, little bits of change within him. And one morning, he grabbed my face and he kissed me properly goodbye He said, I'll see you after work tonight. I can't wait to see you. Love you. And he gave me this kiss and I was like, far out. That's all. I came home that night and said, I-, I want to talk to you after we put the kids to bed. I've got something to tell you. And I was like, okay, great. So I put the kids to bed and he said, I I called that number on that business card that you gave me and um, I've been visiting Jennifer for the kinesiologist for about three or four weeks now and um She's been amazing. Like she's really made me realise what we have here is so worth saving and we just were just blinded by life and so just switched off from each other. So we sat down. It was amazing. She gave him this DVD to watch and he's like, can we watch this DVD together? I'm like, yeah puts the DVD on and it's all the authors of every book that I'd been reading over the last few years. Is like Neil Donald Walsh. There's all these amazing, inspiring thought leaders and spiritual leaders. And I'm sitting there and I'm like tapping my hand on the table going, I have been trying to tell you, thinking in my head, I've been trying to tell you all of this for so long. I've been trying to get you to open up for so long on this type of deeper insight into ourselves and you had no interest whatsoever. Um, but like it wasn't his time and the time had finally come. And he has, like, I think that was about three years ago. He's he's a completely different person. Like he's almost unrecognisable to his friends and family. They are just like, who is this like guru type guy that is so involved in learning and changing and really getting to know himself on a deeper level. He's so interested in healing any past wounds that he's he's had with friends or family and he's just he's almost taken it on another level. He does Wim Hof breathing every day, cold showers for the last sixty days. Like he's just on this healing journey and his whole perception of life has changed since um that first starting point and our relationship. I feel like I'm married to a different person. So oh, wow. it's been pretty incredible and um Yeah, it, it's been great. Now you still get tested again, and you're like those old patterns can start to come up. So, you know, even having this conversation now, it's made me so conscious of the fact that we really need to make sure those tools, those things that we learn over those other testing times, do come back into play, and we don't we don't fall back into old routines again because it can happen. Like as I said, we don't say good how long goodbye anymore because we're always in the same house. So it's totally. Yeah. yeah, there's that, you know, that constant that constant energy that's just the same. Yeah. Um, so it's been a good reminder just talking about that with you actually and I'm going to go down and give him a passion after this I think.
0: Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> what a gift that is and I mean I've always marvelled at, you know, the concept that we're sold, that like two people meet and fall in love and they just go off happily ever after and like the reality of two human beings who are infinitely complex as individuals and then the relationship itself is infinitely complex tracking together at enough of the same pace that they can stay together for a sustained period of time let alone life um you know I I hope for it as well and you know, I aspire to that relationship and I feel like I'm in that relationship and only time ever really shows us that. But, you know, it's, it is challenging for both people to grow at enough of the same pace. And, you know, for you, like the situation you've explained, like, you know, six months later, and you might have reached the breaking point that was not coming back or a week later, you never know, like the timing on these exactly. things. So, I mean, what a gift. And I do also know that we have to, we can only do the work on ourselves. You know we can't do somebody else's work for them. Trying to change someone is completely fruitless um, and just a waste of energy and also just not a nice experience for yourself and the other person who you think needs to change. Um, so you know you had obviously done all of that work for yourself, and then it was starting to put pressure on the relationship, the fact that you had been growing and evolving as a person and um, so happy for you that it went in the way that it did Um, but yeah I mean it's difficult and most of my relationships in the past that have been so wonderful all of them and so loving and so beautiful in so many ways but ultimately you know we've ended up growing apart all the issues that were there um, the issues that were there always became deeper, bigger, more ingrained, and, you know, it got to a point where it was just like, okay, this doesn't work for me anymore. Um Maybe it worked in the beginning because we had, you know, our wounds were complementing each other or whatever it might be. But as one of us starts to heal or grow or evolve, it starts to become more difficult to manage that. So ultimately, they've ended. And that's not also not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I don't believe that all relationships must last forever and that it's success or failure based on that. But it's a beautiful gift when two people can grow together. Like, it's amazing.
1: Totally. And I think people change in life, it's just a common way of life we're never going to stay the same uh we're always going to evolve we're always going to grow and change and it, it's whether they come on that journey with us is going to be the telling telling test of time um mm. and whether they're supposed to like you said they may not be supposed to be together forever always an yeah. eternity but um yeah. I'm, I'm happy we we saved it and we worked on it and we we came through the other side, um, and it's been been amazing. And I'm excited as to what the future holds for us. And I think the best is yet to come. And you know, as our kids grow up, and we can get to know each other on another level again when we're, you know, living in the house on our own again, uh, in another you know five, ten, fifteen years. Who knows when they're, <laughs> they're still <laughs> little? But it, so many relationships fall apart at that point because they don't know. Who each other are without their kids around or their family around.
0: Mm, yeah, it's always important to keep the focus. But I think relationships go through all these different cycles. Same with friendships. I mean, one of the things that's really been coming up for me during this whole period is like I've noticed a lot of my friendships shifting because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, I see the different ways that we're all responding to this situation that we find ourselves in globally and. I think being in isolation at the beginning and still largely being like pretty isolated, um, I'm more sensitive to the energy of other people. And it's like I can feel what was already there stronger. And I'm having better boundaries now around, you know, which friendships I really want to invest in and which friendships are expansive for me and which ones are perhaps not. Um, as expansive and and maybe just need to shift a little bit, be recategorized. It's not around not loving someone unconditionally or anything like that, but just who and where I really feel this expansive kind of positive energy. Um, And that's been hard. Like there's been a lot of grief for me around that, around letting go of um, different relationships in my life that I can see more clearly now are just not necessarily serving me and and I'm not serving them i mean it goes both ways right
1: yeah i mean i've i've spoken to and interviewed a few people on uh, a what they call a circle of influence so that having those people around you that really bring in light into your life and and knowing who they are and knowing when to spend time um, this a lot of people have issues with family right but you don't ever want to get rid of your family or remove your family from your life but it's about it's about i think prioritizing the time with the people who light you up and, and give you energy and, and making sure that you're, you're spending most of your time there with that, that nice light that, that you're fueling each other, that mutual exchange of, of energy, right? That's what you want mm-hmm. when you're in an interaction with someone, there, there be a mutual exchange of energy and um, I think that's what we all crave.
0: Mm-hmm. And then questioning like, am I being that light for other people? Am I being what I want from other people? You know, what is the energy that I'm contributing to the situations? I feel at times, you know, there were people that really supported me when I was going through such a hard time. And I often think, oh my goodness, it must have been not very nice to be on the other end of the phone to me during that kind of six to 12 month period of my life in particular. And there are a few people I really lent on during that period, um, and I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I always have seen myself as someone who is positive and optimistic, and that was a really challenging period for me to move through. Where I was like, my identity as this motivated, positive person was not, I, I, I knew I wasn't that at that time. I wasn't inspiring people necessarily the way that I liked to think of myself um, as being so, and I still that's something that comes up for me as I feel like I'm not sure if this person is serving me or whatever is like, Whoa, this guilt that like people stuck around me when I was going through a hard time, Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's a really hard balance because, and, and when I talk about this stuff, I'm certainly not kind of cutting people off or anything like that. This is just more about like where I'm spending more time and where I'm spending less time. But yeah, it's interesting to reflect on myself and who I was when I was potentially more of a draining energy on those in my life, and just mm. sit in with that, I guess. Mm. It's so, so true. I mean, like I said
1: earlier, when my aim is to leave people always feeling better after I've left them, and yeah there are obviously times when I don't as well. When, when we're struggling, we don't because that's just, we don't, we feel like our cup is empty. So it's so mm-hmm. hard to give from something that is completely empty. But I think like you said earlier, you have your days and you have your moments and you have those periods of time. It could be that six to 12 months that you were talking about where you've just got to it's the growing period and like there's two Japanese principles that I talk about all the time it's Kensho and Satori and it's talking about whether you grow through pain which is Kensho or whether you grow through insight so obviously Kensho is when you have these life-defining moments of um, struggle where you've hit rock bottom and you're like okay life needs to change I need to do something about it and you have a shift in mindset and and the trajectory trajectory of your life changes from there on because something so significant has happened to you and you're forced to change. And then there's Satori is the growth through insight. And this is what I really, I really love people to explore this a lot more because I feel like we don't have to have those horrific times in our lives in order to make some type of change and have some type of growth within our lives. So I always say, take time, learn, read books, go out in nature, be still, meditate, do all the things that are going to allow you to grow and have those little aha moments and have that stillness enough to say, hang on a minute, I need to change here. I, I, there's something in my life that needs to shift. I need to do something to change. Life's going to make you change anyway, whether you do it purposely or not. Life is going to mm-hmm. push you into that massive change whether you, and it's either going to hurt or it's not because you've changed before, the hurt had, has had to come. So I'm, nothing frustrates me more than people who are stuck in a situation and do nothing to change their entire lives. And I really urge people who are unhappy, who are miserable, who are stuck, who are frustrated, who are perhaps in careers that they hate and have hated them for 20 years or in relationships that they hate and have hated them for 20 years, to, to just stand back and actively do something to make it better. Mm-hmm. make a change, make it better, look at how you can fix it because you don't need to be stuck in that position your entire life. Things can become easier. You just need to create a little bit of a ripple effect in your life and make that first step towards change.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's it's so hard for people to change and we do have, I think, of that saying, um, better the devil you know, and I think that's sometimes a story that people adapt is like, well, or adopt, I should say, well, even though I don't like this, I know what to expect at least. And I know I've done that. I've been stuck in that at certain periods in my life where I'm like, I'll just tolerate this. And I tell myself that it's like, there's an end, but I end up hitting a point where I'm like, wait, I need to end this. Like, it's not just going Mm. to end. Like, Mm. I can't just keep tolerating this. Like I'm the one that needs to make the change and shift out of it. But I think often it's like, the fear of the unknown is greater than the, or the, maybe fear's not the right word, the the discomfort of the potential unknown is greater than the current known discomfort, even though it's uncomfortable and it sucks and the potential of change could be like wonderful. It also might not be. So Mm -hmm. it's like fascinating how as humans, we often will allow that fear of the unknown and the huge potential possibility to kind of, evade us what we could actually achieve because it's like, well, I know how to operate in this way. I know how to tolerate it um, even though I don't enjoy it. (laughs) fascinating
1: yeah it's, I, I talk to my kids about that all the time I'm like just a few minutes of discomfort and you'll feel the magic it's there just push through it one yeah. of them's like uh, you're really shy like I was when I was a little girl like her and I can I can resonate with how she feels and she's to meet new people and to go into new situations where she doesn't know anyone is really difficult for her and I'm like trust me it's gonna hurt for a minute but then you're going to meet someone and you're going to feel so comfortable and you're going to feel more alive than you ever did and it's totally worth it. And that's just a tiny example of that. But it's just that, yeah, discomfort is hurts. It sucks. It's mm-hmm. painful. But you come out the other side feeling better than never before.
0: Yeah, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. I like to... I like to think of it like that. I always, I also was very shy, little child. Like I, I was like, I was that girl, you know, I remember my mom always being like, you can do it, go on. Yeah. Like yeah. if I was in a restaurant and I wanted something, I'd always be like, mom, can you get me this? And she'd be like, you can ask the waitress. Yeah, that's that. exactly what I was waiter. like. <laughs> yeah. And I would what always, sometimes I just wouldn't ask because I'd be like, oh, I'm too scared. And, yeah. you know, but sometimes I did and then I would get the thing that I wanted. And yeah, exactly. so I totally relate to that. But I did make a pact with myself when I was in my, very early 20s and decided that I wanted to make something in my life that, you know, I needed to be comfortable with the uncomfortable and that every week at least I needed to be doing something that was out of my comfort zone because I had discovered and I had that tool probably from my mom. So good job you. <laughs> um, I, I was, I I was, tool, I'm interested. So. Yeah.
1: So I was going to no, say, how did, did you, yeah. how did you push yourself out of that um, that shyness because it's really interesting because I know that took a big thing a big leap for me to push myself out and I was probably a little bit later than you I did it maybe mid-20s where I was like okay go and go and stand in front of people go and talk and push yourself I, I did a few courses and it just ripped that band-aid off um, mm-hmm. but I lived my life up until my late 20s almost being completely horrifically shy to speak in front of people and now I do it for a living. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's amazing how Yeah I was terrified of that as
0: well. That was one of my things I had to do. But I think to answer your question I went overseas when I was 18 and it wasn't anything I'd ever planned to do. I, I happened to have some money in the bank. I'd actually done a drug deal. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, I I feel like I wrote about this somewhere, I don't know where. Anyway, I did not know I, um, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was doing some small time drug dealing when I was about 18 years old and my friend had said to me, um, if you drive me down the coast with this these drugs that I need to drop off, I'll give you like $2,000 or something. And I was like, damn straight, I'm driving you down there. And thankfully <laughs> the story was very uneventful and I just got $2,000, but it was the most money that Not- I ever had in my life at the time. Yeah, nothing bad happened. Um, and I was, I happened to just be in this moment where I don't know. I was just feeling frustrated with everyone and everything in my life. I was just feeling like, eh, I don't even know. Like, what is what is all this? I, I just finished high school and I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And I had this money in the bank. And a girlfriend was in England and we got on the phone chatting one day. She's like, why don't you just come over? And on a whim, I just literally got off the phone, went to the local um, shopping center and went to like the travel agent and booked a flight to England. Came back home to my mom and told her I'm going to England in, in three weeks. She was like, What? And I'm like, yeah, just decided. I was just literally in this moment where I was frustrated, but it was so divine because I had never any intention of traveling. I had no ambition for myself at that point. Like I went to a public school. I barely graduated. I was drug dealing.
1: (laughs) Um, You know, I had
0: really like, I wasn't hanging around with anyone. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have anything kind of in my life that showed me even that I could be anything. And this, it feels like it really was divine because going on this trip, just blew my mind open. I was like, oh my goodness, there's a whole freaking world out here that I can be a part of. And that was the moment that shifted me. Like it was very scary and uncomfortable for me to go. I think it felt more complicated to cancel all the flights, So I just went, even though I didn't want to go by the time I went. I was like not annoyed at my friends anymore. And I was like, no, I just want to hang out and like go raving with you guys. But I went because I was like, well, I have said I'm going to go and my friend's waiting for me and she's like helping me get a job over there and I don't know how to cancel the flights. And so I just went, but it was perfect because it just... Pushed me way out of my comfort zone. I then experienced the world and I traveled all around Europe and it was like, wow. And I was really homesick and quite negative actually while I was over there. But as soon as I got home, I was like, oh. You got this. This is what bug. I thought I was missing. Like there is so yep. much out there. And I think that was really just like the seed that got planted, the spark of like, I can do and be anything. I can have any experience I want. But to do it is gonna require me to be brave and to push out of my comfort zone to do things. And, you know, later came along like career ambition and things like that, but I was able to draw from that experience and say, well, you know, if you want to be really successful, I remember um, going back to the public speaking thing as an example because that was something I was terrified of. But I'd started working with my dad and he was quite a successful entrepreneur and I was watching him on stage and I was like, well, if you want to be anything like him or more, you're going to have to get comfortable talking in front of people. So I just joined Toastmasters that week and started going and, you know, I was nervous to even just go to Toastmasters and just sit in a room with people I didn't know, let alone then go around and have to do the the speaking thing. Um, But, yeah, eventually I became a professional speaker and media and all sorts of things that I ended up doing. Um, See, it's that first step,
1: that first step to change. You booked those flights, you couldn't back out. You signed up to Toastmasters, you couldn't back out. It's just that, if anyone's listening now, And I have been thinking about doing something that I have held back on because they're too scared. Book it right now. Go and do something. Go and do one little thing that is going to push you towards that and you cannot back out. Make that make that that contract with yourself today.
0: It's so powerful. And it never ends. Like right now I'm raising a $2 million seed round for my company. And I'm like, fuck, this is uncomfortable. Like who am I to do that? Like the doubt and the fears and the worries and the stress pops up, you know, trying to talk yourself out of it, but it's like, okay, well, I can stay in my comfort zone as an entrepreneur that knows how to build, you know, a couple of million dollars service businesses. And that's great. Like I like doing that. It's been fun, but I can also shoot, for the stars and try to build a billion dollar tech company. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try. It's I'm funny you say that. It's so it. true.
1: <laughs> it makes you feel alive too, because I, I've been thinking about this over the last couple of months is that I haven't pushed myself over, out of my comfort zone recently. And that's why I'm feeling so stagnant. I, I And I'm, I'm desperate to find something to to do that with right now, because it's it makes me feel alive when I've done it. That, that feeling, that magic afterwards when you've achieved that discomfort, like conquered that discomfort mm-hmm. and you've come out the other end is so liberating and it's addictive, isn't it?
0: <laughs> what do you think it is?
1: Uh, well, my passion has, and it's probably really chosen the right time to explore this, but I've really wanted to live overseas. I've never lived anywhere else but Melbourne. Um, and I think I'm pretty much done with Melbourne right now. <laughs>
0: get me out of here as fast as possible uh, please exactly
1: exactly uh one-way ticket thank you no so I'm really exploring the idea of um you know a a 12-month at least life sabbatical (laughs) where I can uh, just be me and do me and us we come as a package so um yeah that's that's something I really that's going to scare the living daylights out of me because it's something that I've wanted to do for 20 years. Um, I've grown up scared. I've always been scared of everything. I was always scared of everything. I was scared to walk barefoot on grass. So that's giving you a little bit of context <laughs> of what how scared I was as a as a kid. And you know, I've never done roller coasters or bungee jumping or anything that was potentially going to put me at risk. I've always been a very cautious, calculated person. Um mm-hmm low risk. You do any sort of personality test on me and I'm incredibly low risk with everything. And that needs to change because that's that's not who I am at the heart of myself. It's just the fear speaking. And that's Mm -hmm. where I need to push, I think, more more than ever. I'm thinking big now. I'm not thinking small when it comes to business. I'm not thinking small when it comes to projects or anything that I'm involved in. It's always on a big impact and global scale from now on. So, it's it's I've worked hard towards that and I'm never going back because it feels amazing.
0: Oh, well, that's beautiful. Where do you think you'll go and live? Have you had any thoughts about that?
1: Oh, stay tuned. Stay tuned <laughs> on that one. I'll let you know. I'll let you know where we can actually get. Yeah. <laughs> right now? That's more the question we'll let right in. now, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Well, exactly that's right. exciting though. Your couch looks comfy. Maybe we'll come and hang there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Colorado's a great place. Yeah, it looks awesome. That's why I mean, yeah, once I once I traveled that first time, I was kind of destined to live all over the place. It's one of my things in my life. I've always thought of myself when I'm old and sitting on a rocking chair and sitting back thinking about my life. I want to be like, oh my goodness, I lived in all these places. I had all these experiences. I was involved in all these communities. I did this impactful work that was, it was very global from that first trip it just became like almost this feeling of it was such a, an experience to go somewhere totally foreign and different and felt strange and you know live there for 3 months it wasn't a long time you know but it was 3 months and by the end of the 3 months i was comfortable and i felt like i'd like conquered it in a way and when i yeah. use the word conquer i don't mean um because sometimes i think i want to conquer the world but not in that power way conquer in terms of like I'm not afraid. Like I feel at home here, everywhere, people, these people that I could meet anywhere. It's like, wow, this is amazing. And I love the feeling of going somewhere and knowing I'll be back, which happens to me from time to time. So Bali, Guatemala, Israel, they're all places that, um, And the US, I ended up moving here. So this is, that's my base now. Um, But these are all places that I just, as soon as I got there, there was this like vibrational resonance. And I was like, I will be back here. I know it. And I've ended up Guatemala. I visited three times in the first year that I went there. Bali, I've spent months and months on end over the last six years. Israel twice now and can't wait to get back there. But yeah, it's just this and that feeling that I'm like, oh, this place is so amazing and resonant. I want to be here more and I want it to feel, it already feels like home and I want it to really feel like home with my connections, with my community, with my experiences. So it's amazing. I highly recommend. It's, it's, (laughs) It's building...
1: Yeah. It's the building of a new community too, I think. I've never had to do that. I'm so well connected here because I've lived here for 40 years. Uh, you know, you need someone in any industry. I'm like, yep, yeah, I know someone. I've been to school with someone like that. I, I know someone like that. So I'm so incredibly well connected in this town, in this city, in this country, that I want to have that that experience where I'm not and try and work it out and for myself. It is
0: it is tough, sister. Let I me can tell imagine. you. Like, <laughs> yeah. It really is. I mean, I when I first moved to the US I was really grateful to take a little bit of a break from all of the media and speaking and publicity stuff that I was doing in Australia. And it felt nice to be more anonymous. Not that I had a huge profile in Australia, but certainly in Melbourne and a little bit in Sydney. And I would often go places and a lot of people knew who I was and I didn't necessarily know who they were. And it felt really nice to be anonymous for a while. But the last couple of years, I've been like, oh, I'd like to get back on the speaking circuit. I'd like to do more media again. I'm really excited about my company and what I'm doing. And it's like, shit, I don't have like the network here. Like in Australia, I knew exactly how to do all of it. And I'm like, oh man, like, and it's been like this little grind. But even at a more basic level of just building friendships and stuff, like moving to, I've moved to uh, one, two, I think four or five new cities where I've really just gone in and started from scratch. And those first few weeks, it's very amazing how quickly you build community, but how long the first few weeks can feel when you don't know anyone. I remember when I moved to Dublin and I moved in with three girls, three Irish girls. So at least I had some people, I guess, who I could make friends with. But the first few weeks when I wasn't yet friends with them, I remember one day walking down the main street of the town. I can't remember what of the city. I can't remember what the street was, but just thinking, Wow. Literally no one on earth knows where I am right now or what (laughs) I'm doing. and I felt so alone and so just like, wow, this is so like scary. And, but you know, a couple of weeks later I had all these friends and community and it does happen quite quickly, but it's very confronting and such a beautiful experience to go through actually to face who you are when you're in those moments.
1: I've got this big smile but terrified feeling inside of me <laughs> when you say that because it's like exciting but so freaking scary at the same time. And thats I think that's what life's about. You've got to be a little bit scared and a little bit excited and have that energy inside you to I go, know. oh, my God, this is, this is lighting me up. This is exciting for me. Um, you yeah. know, we can't just sit there doing the same things every day. And, you know, a year in the life of someone doing something different can be such a defining point in your life, can't it? It can just be like I that know. year that changed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to explore it further. Stay tuned. I'll let well, you know.
0: I'm very excited <laughs> for you and your year that changed everything that's coming because it will. I know it. So oh, it's great. Well, this has been such a good conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure. So great to speak to you and just connect on this level.
0: And have a good rest of your day in your house. <laughs> Thank you. I might go
1: for a walk. The sun is shining. So
0: I might uh, I might go for a walk this morning and just have some me time. I love it. All jokes aside, I really do hope that um, this is the last week of lockdown and things start to ease up for you guys. I don't know where it's yeah. at, but yeah. Sending me you a too. lot of love and vibes on that. Thanks, beautiful. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning into the show. Before you go, I wanted to let you know about something really exciting I've been working on my new tech platform, growmotely.com. If you do follow me on Instagram or any other social media, you've probably seen me post about it. But essentially, we are launching the world's first end-to-end remote working platform. So if you are an entrepreneur or a small business, we have a huge pool of candidates that you'll be able to search through post jobs, search through candidates and applicants, manage your entire recruitment funnel, and then deal with all of the contracts and payroll on an ongoing basis. This is really is an end-to-end platform. If you are a skilled and experienced professional looking for permanent remote work with benefits, this is the place to go. This is how we are all going to be working in the future on this platform. So thank you for coming on the journey with me. If you visit growmotely.com and you are interested, please give us your email address and we will ensure you are the first to know when the platform goes live. We would love to welcome you into the family and into the future of the way we are all going to be working.